0: You know, it's been a really long time since I last completely missed that my stones were in Atari. But it happened to me this past week. And it it brought back, like, PTSD. From when I used to play games and get so zoned in on the game. And then decide on my move and then all my stones disappeared (laughs) instantly. That hasn't happened in a while, and it definitely brought back some memories. And, you know, even the pros, they make uh, crazy mistakes. So, uh, shouldn't feel too bad. I ended up winning the game, so I actually don't feel too bad. But, um, welcome to Star Point. It's a show about Go for Go fans who uh, are currently away from the board, or more likely screen. We're talking about Go, all things Go-related, um... Just as a personal update, yeah, that, um, just to continue that, um, story with the Atari that I, I lost, uh, well, that, that was a particularly important Atari to, to pay attention to, um, but you get so focused locally, and this is what I've talked about in, um, last episode, I, I talked about sometimes being too focused locally, um, and not seeing the bigger picture. And in this case, it wasn't even a matter of missing the bigger picture. It was a matter of uh, missing the local thing, which was the Atari that I should have seen. Um, but yeah, that's uh, definitely brought back some memories of me um, in my uh, earlier days of Go. Just constantly missing Ataris and, and just getting like so surprised by snapbacks and things like that. So it hadn't happened in a while, but it, hey, it happened. Thing is that this game, um, so that that Atari affected like life status of three or four groups, and it just completely flipped the game around because I was, you know, making better moves than my opponent overall. And with that opportunity, and I've taken this opportunity from others before, where where they were they were beating me and I was just hoping for this kind of like sneaky little mistake, and I was able to take massive amounts of stones that I shouldn't have been able to take, and it's, I enjoy it. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, it's not like beautiful go, but um, it is fun to do that, so um, I do it when I can. Um, That flipped the game when he took all those stones, but I somehow find some, like, miyai to Tsuji to to get myself back in and connect that group up and live and win the game. So that was... um, You know, the... Aji is really the power of resurrection, you know? This is why you don't want to play unnecessary moves. You don't want to play every forcing move um, in a sequence, right? Because you never know what will happen later. And if you kind of, like... um, solidify this position there's less freedom for creativity and uh you'd be surprised sometimes you look at this corner of the board and you're like that's dead and something crazy happens throughout the rest of the game where that group just actually becomes alive again um let me know if you've experienced something like that because it's it's astonishing when it happens sometimes because you're so sure that something is dead until it's not Um, but on to today's, uh, topic of discussion, um, it was kind of, uh, sad coming up with the, uh, anecdotes and stories and subject matter for, uh, for this, uh, topic because, well, the topic I've chosen here is, um, for this week is, is Go Etiquette, and it quickly turned into really just Go Rudeness, because when you start thinking about etiquette, you start thinking about when there is no etiquette. And, you know, luckily most GO players are pretty respectful and um, have respect for their opponents and the game. But you do come across those moments where it's kind of uh, a little toxic, a little sour. Most people don't, when we're talking about online play, at least, most people don't really talk much. They kind of just say... Um, hi, or thanks for the game, GG, um, all that, you know, ple- all the pleasantries that come with uh, playing, and maybe it's rude to not say that, but generally you don't get too many people being toxic outright, um, especially being a one, uh, 1v1 game, there's not as much need for toxicity as, uh, as you find in a lot of uh, team-based video games. If you play Valorant or um, League of Legends, Counter-Strike, Rocket League, what have you, there's always just a ton of toxicity. And you don't really see that as much um, in Go because, I don't know, people don't really talk much in the first place. I did have, um, uh, not too recent, maybe a few months ago, memory of a player on OGS who was constantly chatting me during the game, telling me things like... um, hurry up, time is gold, surrender please, get out, ah, nice try, and just, just being really um, obnoxious during the game, and I did my best to uh, uh, ignore all those, and I really wanted to beat him, but I ended up losing, so that was a little sad, but overall, I just don't see people talking to me, uh, especially on Fox, right, because I don't know if it's because they just see that I have an American flag on my account, so they they just assume I can't. You know, I don't speak Chinese or people on Fox. I mean, I think there's a lot of kids who play on Fox, people who play in cafes and stuff. I'm not I'm just assuming. Um, But they just don't really talk much. They don't even say hi. Thanks for the game or anything like that. So I don't say much. Right. I don't I don't even say hi when I play on Fox. But I did have this one player who started talking to me during the game. And he was like. I don't know why, but he was just kind of like, I'm Chinese, you're American. And I'm like, great, I'm trying to read this sequence out. And um, then he continues, I like beef, what kind of food do you eat? And I'm like, look, buddy, like, I, I'm i down to be your friend, but maybe after the game. <laughs> I, I was like on 32nd Byoyomi, I'm trying to like read out this sequence, and this guy is trying to just make friends with me, um, which was not um, rude in my eyes by any means. Just, I just couldn't respond. I decided not to respond to that person because I needed to focus on the game. Um, but yeah, uh, the, another memorable, um, time that I've, uh, had chatting with people while playing games was, um, on KGS. I don't play on KGS much, but I did pick up a random game one time and, my opponent we, we were playing a pretty relaxed time control my opponent was rated stronger than um than me so i wasn't really stressed out about the game it wasn't i was my account's not built like hasn't built up a you know a solid foundational rating we we're playing handicap game and it seemed like we were just kind of chilling so they were talking to me about the weather and and stuff and just kind of just everyday stuff and it was really nice it was just a nice interaction and i think that's one of the beautiful things about Go is just kind of getting to know someone uh, over the game. Um, I wanted to talk about a book that my b- girlfriend got me for. I, th- I believe it was for my birthday called The Master of Go. Now, this book goes over. It's like a semi-historical um, Novel. And it goes over the last game of Honinbo Shusai. And I call it semi-historical because this game was against Kitani Minoru. And this game actually exists. You can look it up. Um, But Kitani Minoru is not called as such in the novel. His name is Otake. So I believe there are several details about what happened in the book. This book called The Master of Go, again. That were changed slightly. And I don't know why. But that's all I know, that it's not completely one-to-one with what happened. But it seems to be pretty close. Um, the, ga- the book has uh, Kifu uh, diagrams throughout, scattered throughout. It goes over this one game. And you can follow along to, to see like what, what point of the game they're in. It's not a technical book. They don't talk about, like, oh, they played here... Uh, Because this Tetsuji was here and this was better for point. I mean, they do mention the gameplay somewhat, but it's definitely not like something like the Invincible. Um, The games of Shusaku where we've talked a lot more about um, the quality of the moves. I actually haven't read that book. I just I've skimmed it a little bit, so I kind of know. Um, But anyway, in this book, um, there's a there's a lot of themes Um, I highly recommend the book, although it may be a little bit um, slow paced and mundane to some when you're reading it. But I think that's kind of the point or that's what I got out of it is that you start reading it and they talk about all these little details of life, of everyday living to the point where you're at first kind of just like, what's the point of this, right? Why are they talking about all this? What's let's get to the, the, you know, the point of the story. And then you keep reading and then you just kind of feel like you're there with them and you're really getting the full experience of um, what they're going through. And I don't know why it just kept on reminding me of like a woodcut. Like it just felt so um, like just beautiful in the life that it represents. You'd have to read it to know what I'm talking about. But um or let me give you some examples, right? So you know how, like, when you watch a movie or uh, read a novel, you never see the characters go to the bathroom, right? They never, like, this is a thing that we, we do as human beings, right? When you watch Harry Potter, like, before they go into the forest, they don't, you know, they don't go, wait, hold on, let's, we should take a bathroom break, right? Because we're probably going to be in the forest for hours, Right. <laughs> That's something that would happen, right? I mean, unless they have some kind of, like, um, spell to, like, get rid of, (laughs) to empty their bowels. Uh, Bowel, yeah, some kind of, like, bladder emptying spell. (laughs) But in any case, like, whatever the, the book or movie, like, you usually don't talk about these mundane things. And in this book, The Master of Go, they precisely talk about it because it has an effect on life, right? Like they talk about how during one of the sessions, um, okay, by the way, Kitani Minoru, his, his name is Otake in the book, right? So Otake has this habit of going to the bathroom very often, right? And that's not, a, it doesn't seem like a very significant thing that you would normally not talk about, but it does change like the atmosphere of the session of Go that they're playing, this guy keeps going, getting up, going to the bathroom. He, he's gone up three times already, and this is like a notable thing. If you're there with them, you're gonna notice that, right? You're gonna, like, if, let's say if you're texting your your friend, like, what's going on, and in you're like, oh yeah, this guy got up three times. So it's like it's a very normal like thing to notice in real life, but it's just not something that you would normally find in a novel. And there's a lot of these kind of details. Um, A lot of talk about where to play the game, about what time to play the game, when they had lunch, things like that. And it's, once you get into it, I feel like I personally started appreciating the beauty and I would read this book again. Um, It's a fantastic book. But anyway, the reason I bring it up is because in the book, there um, there is a particular moment that comes to mind when I'm thinking about etiquette. Now, Honimbo Shusai represents kind of the old guard. He's playing his last game, um, the last game of his life. And we've got Kitani Minoru, one of the new and upcoming pros, uh, representing the next generation. And the book sheds a lot of light on the differences between the perspective of these two people. And... Um, the one moment that I'm talking about is so this game is played over the course of months. It's not like nowadays where a lot of the games are just kind of played um, within a few hours, or um, it, it's played over many sessions over many or over months, right? Many months. And so when you play a game over multiple sessions, um, you use what's called a sealed move. And if you haven't seen the Queen's Gambit. Or Hikaru no Go, where they um, they show you what that, you know, if you've seen those, you've, I'm sure you know what a sealed move is. But to anyone who doesn't know what a sealed move is, um, let's say you're playing uh, a game of Go and you're about to break um, your session to reconvene next time. Well, you would want to be the person whose turn it is when you break that session, right? Because then you have however many days until the next session to actually use up that time to think about what you're going to do next. So to prevent that time advantage given to that player, what they do is they have, instead of, um, just making the last move before the session, you write down the move and seal it in an envelope for no one to see. So you're the only one who knows what that move is. So the other person can't um, see that move and plan accordingly. So you've made your decision on your move and the other, uh, the, your opponent um, doesn't know what, what you've just played. And so when you reconvene, you play the move and both of you are kind of like back in sync without either player having like this think, extra thinking time between sessions. That's the idea anyway. So in the Go in the in the master of Go, Otake plays his sealed move, seals up his uh, move. They break for the session, and when they reconvene, the record keeper opens the kifu and has some trouble finding the sealed move. Um, as you can imagine, what if you've seen a you know Go record game record before? It's just a grid with all these numbers written on it. And I'm sure these were uh, Japanese numbers back, you know, in this time. And he's looking, looking, and he's just like taking a while to find the move. And he finds it on the other side of the board where the action is not taking place. So he's like, ah, oh, I didn't expect it there. And he finds the move and they play the board, play the, the move on the board and they resume the game. Now the reason why he wasn't able to find the move quickly was there was a tense area of the board where there was a lot of thinking involved. However, the sealed move was essentially a co-threat. It was a it was um, a forcing move that had nothing to do with what they were doing. So essentially, Otake took this sealed move and put in this move that seemingly just forced Honimbo Shusai to to have an answer on the other side of the board, giving Otake the time between sessions to think about what he was going to play in the actual area of interest. And this kind of made the master upset. And... There's a lot of moments in the in the book where they, they almost cancel out the game and, and someone resigns and something. And, but, but the um, whole point is that, like, that was seen as rude in some cases, right? Because you're not really using the sealed move in the spirit of what it's for, right? The sealed move is so that someone can't think about their next move over the course of the, you know the time between sessions. But in effect, you can do this. Even though in Go we have sealed moves, you can play a vital point somewhere where there is a group that's alive technically, but you can play a sente move over there, threatening to kill it, and waste that sealed move on that, essentially like a co-threat, allowing you to think about your next move in the other side of the board, where where it really matters. Um, so in a way... The master's perspective is kind of valid and you know you really should play pure go, right? You shouldn't try to take advantage of these time systems, this meta stuff. You can't you shouldn't meta game. But on the other hand, victory is important. If your goal is to win the game, you have to follow the rules, yes, but you must do everything you can within those rules to win the game. So you have this kind of dichotomy of, of attitudes and of course nowadays you know if you're at the level of Shinjinzo and you're playing a sealed move and there's like a million dollars on the line like you're going to you're going to want to take that advantage, right? And you know the stakes have become higher and higher and it's become less about the pure beauty of the game and more about winning. And the more it becomes about winning, it seems that the we, we kind of venture a little bit farther away from the purity of Go. And that just seems to be something that happens. And maybe it's not a good thing, but maybe it's fine. I don't know. Let me know what you think whether the master was correct or otake was correct here um it's it's something that i think about every now and then about how we can't exactly escape the meta of any game when the stakes are are raised right it, it just like think about how much politics there is in sports how much of sports is Money and contracts and advertising and referees. There's so much, there's almost more, if you look at the competitive sports scenes, there's almost more talk of that meta stuff than the actual game itself. It's just something inescapable. When you look at, when you're playing a game of Go, you can focus on the Go, but you have to also manage your time. There's no way around that. And time isn't inherently like a go thing, but you have to be good at it. You can't just take all the time you want on your move. And so there's a balance, right? You need to be able to manage your time and you have to have external skills around the go. Because if without them, like, you know, you're like, let's say you're a great go player. You're a genius. You're a genius go player, but you don't take care of your body. You don't you sleep in, right? Or you, you don't sleep in. You you go to sleep too late and you show up late to your tournament. Um, you piss off the tournament director, right? You do all these things that are, you know, obviously the, that doesn't mean you're a bad Go player to do these things. But let's say you sit down on the board and because of all this stuff you do, you lose the game. The Go is not in a vacuum. No game is in a vacuum. It's in the world we live in and we have to deal with these metas And so, but then we also have this, like, deep desire to play as purely as possible and play for the beauty of the game. So it's just kind of this, like, catch-22 almost. But you have to deal with these necessary evils. Which is why it's so important to come up with, like, the most elegant possible systems and rules surrounding the game. So that we, um, we can play the best go we can play. And not focus too much um, on the outside stuff. I want to share an anecdote of something that happened to me during an AGA rated tournament. I was playing an older Chinese man. And we played a long game. It had a co-fight in the middle of it that was just a tit-for-tat long co-fight. Honestly, uh, not a fan of that kind of go, but it, it happened. You know, I had to had to do the had to fight for that co. And the thing about this game was that my opponent didn't notice that he didn't stop the clock. So I said, "Hey, you didn't stop the clock," and I pointed at the clock. and said, "Your time is still running," so that I can make my move. And that's kind of an etiquette thing, right? I, if I was really playing the meta. I could have let that clock run as f- long as I could, right? And it's actually on him, but I didn't, right? I, I didn't, that's not the way I want to win. So I, I said, Hey, your, your clock's running. And I expect someone else to do the same for me, right? That's kind of a dumb way to win, but it happened again. And I said, Hey, your clock's running, right? I said, Oh, and he, he smacks the clock. And then it happened again, but. I didn't notice. So his clock was running and I was staring at the board. He was staring at the board and his clock was just running and running and running. And when I was about to make my move, I noticed my clock wasn't ticking and I was like, well, your your clock's running. So he smacks the clock, make my move. And he's down a lot of time. I don't know how much time passed. Honestly, time kind of freezes when I'm playing go. So I can't, I can't even give an estimate. I would say like, no, I, I'm not gonna give an estimate. <laughs> but it was it felt like a long time. Um and so what happened at the end, we're playing this long, we play the game entire in, in its entirety, right? We play all the way through the end game, and we're even to the point where start we're starting to fill in dummy. And I don't even know what rule set we're using. I mean, I guess we're using AGA rules. Um we should be using, yeah, we should be using AGA rules. Um, but there was no, you know, in the AGA rules, you're supposed to pass a passing stone at the end. There was none of that. So it's kind of like, eh, sometimes these AGA tournaments, they're not, they're not <laughs> completely uh, following uh, the protocol. But we, we reached the end of the game and we're playing like second to last moves almost. He... I play a, i play a dame or something like that and then it's his turn I smack my clock it's his turn and he t- his time runs out he flags i point it out to him I say hey your um your clock <laughs> and his response is the game is finished just looking at the board like like almost like who cares like the game is finished like you know doesn't matter and I'm just kind of like you know what yeah let's go to counting Sure, half out of politeness, and half out of—I actually kind of thought I was ahead. I ended up losing the game. I was—I uh, was behind quite a bit, actually. <laughs> so he played better Go than me. But by—if you were really being a stickler for the rules—I won that game. I don't think I deserve to win the game. I gave him the win for the. Uh, you know, for the official score. But it was kind of like a weird moment, right? Because I think, you know, when you run out of time, you actually lose the game, right? In any context, right? Whether you're professional, whether you're playing online. But in this situation, I'm like, I don't want to steal rating points just from this kind of like time thing. But if you're consistently if you're a great Go player, but you lose half your games on time, you're going to have a lower rating. And so it's it's kind of a hard call to make. I mean, I, I just wanted to kind of be respectful and move on and just say, hey, like, like good game. You know, you won. You, you, got, you got more points than me. Although, you know, your clock did run out. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I would say it was a bittersweet feeling. Um, I felt... I felt more disappointed that I lost the game in terms of points. I didn't really care as much about whether I won the game on paper or not. Like, regardless of whether I won on paper or not, my goal wasn't good enough to win on the board. So that's really what I more like cared about. Um, let's see how we're doing on time here. So, actually, um, we're doing pretty good on time. I want to share one more, uh, one more, uh, what's it called? Anecdote with you guys before um, moving on. I've only played two live tournaments, um, and that that story was from the second one. This story is from the first one, where oh, this one's this one's kind of ridiculous, but (laughs) I was um, I was playing. I was sitting down and the, the go boards were like real, like, like plasticky vinyl, like they curled up on the edges. And there was a cup of water in the middle, middle of my board. No, no, no. There was a cup of water next to my board and I'm getting ready to, I'm setting up the stones and everything. I'm, I'm opening the boxes and this kid next to me, he, he gets this cup of water and he puts it in the middle of my board while I'm setting up. And I'm, I'm just kind of like shocked and I, and i like pick up the cup and I'm like, Hey, this is, you know, I'm going to play here. And then he, he just goes, that's not my water. And I'm like, okay, in my head, I'm just like, that's beside the point. Like, and I, anyway, I give it to my, I give a cup of water to my girlfriend and I move on. And then I, they're using uh, what's it called? The Ingstones. If I don't know if you guys have ever seen, um, Stones, but they're in this like hexagonal case where it's supposed to count how many stones for you. It's kind of awful in my opinion. Um, but, but in any case, these are these giant hexagonal, the stone quality I think is good. Like the actual stones are pretty good. It's just like the, the container. It's just like, it's like an, uh it's like, a it looks like a honeycomb and like half halfway through the game, you have to like press it a certain way to pop out the rest of the stones. And it's just like not something you want to deal with. While you're thinking about your next move. And anyway. That was a, um, little, of a little bit of a um, side note. When I am um, setting up the stones. And I'm noticing the board curling up. I use these stones to pin down the, the edges of the board. And these are my stones. Not my stones. But like the stones that I'm going to be using with my opponent. And this kid just grabs. Grabs that set of stones off of my board onto his board to do the same thing for his own board. Just completely, um, ignorant of the fact that there's another person next to him. And I'm just kind of like, okay, this kid just clearly doesn't understand how to behave around people. And I'm just kind of like, all right, let's just not cause a scene. I'm just, I just sneak the stones back onto my board, pinning down my, (laughs) my uh, my board so that it's not curled up on the edges, and, and I'm good. And we start playing the game. He starts bickering with his opponent. I don't know what they're bickering about, but it's really distracting. So a lot of stuff happens, right, around the game. And you can't avoid it. It's always going to affect you. There's always going to be something. And this is, I think, partially why we have rules of etiquette, so that we can control as much of it as possible with... The, the way we carry ourselves around the game and um, having expectations for how we're supposed to be um, playing or how, not, not playing, but just how we're supposed to behave. Right. Um, there's just so, some social norms set in place um, to try to have a little control over this quote unquote meta around the game. I think there's a lot of stuff to talk about with go etiquette. I, I'm definitely going to revisit this topic because um, I, I don't think I've gone through everything that I feel like I could have gone through. Um, but I would love to hear you guys tell me about stories that you've had about go etiquette. I'm sure you've got t- you've got tons. And if I get enough responses, I may start like kind of like a listener mail um, segment at the end of the show. Uh, whether you're on Spotify or Reddit or YouTube, just throw me a little comment and who knows, I'll, maybe I'll use your comment or story in the next episode. Um, so just want to cover a little bit of Go news in the pro world. Xin versus Xiek Ke, not to be confused with Ke which I, I was confused because they sound kind of familiar. I mean, similar. They played in the finals of the Ink Cup. Finally. Uh, the Ink Cup, if you don't know, is one of the largest Go tournaments. It's an international tournament, and it happens every four years. And technically, this Ink Cup, this ninth Incup, Cup, uh, ING... Oh, yeah, it's the, it's the same uh, ING that I was just talking about with the stones, the hexagonal stones. And this one was... Actually, technically the 2020 INCUP. And the reason why it just finished in August 24th or August 20... or it should be August 22nd or 3rd. In any case, somewhere around that time of this year, 2023, is because of the COVID pandemic. So they played out the tournament and they had to reschedule this INCUP final. for. <laughs> it's, it's insane because you play all the way through the tournament and then... You're about to play this grand finale, and then you have to wait like three years. Uh, it's crazy because a lot can change in three years. It's like, are these two even the rightful finalists at this point? Well, we know so is because you know he's pretty much still on top of the Go world, and he won the cup. So uh, he won in two games. I think I think it was a best of three, and he won for both both games um, that they played, so they didn't have to go through a third. So congrats to Xin for winning the Inc. Cup. If you want to know more about um, the professional go scene, there is a podcast called the Pro Go baduk chi podcast run by Chao Dai and Gaza. I believe they're in Australia, and they do an amazing coverage of every little detail of the pro scene. I don't even know how they do it. But if that's something that interests you, go check it out. Um, I Honestly, it's the only other Go podcast that I know of, aside from Starpoint, which is what you're listening to currently. Um, but that's, yeah, that's that's going to be it for today. Um, just let me know uh, if you have any Go etiquette stories yourselves again. Um, and let's see if we can gather up enough uh, listener feedback to have a little bit of a listener mail section at the end. Um... So until next week, keep playing Go, and goodbye for now.